Hey y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Today's episode is sponsored by Farm Tea Company. Farm Tea Company has apparel for all 50 states and is focused on American farmers, ranchers, and the agricultural community as a whole. Farm Tea Company shows pride in where you farm, how you farm, and why you farm. Check them out at www.farmteaco.com or at Farm Tea Co. on social media. I am excited to be chatting with another Cowgirl 30 Under 30 on a read today. Um, I'm excited to have Anna on the show. And Anna, to get things rolling today, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in California's Central Valley. Uh, my family owned and operated a small uh, walnut almond persimmon kind of farm we had a lot of other little farm creatures too mostly horses and geese maybe a few chickens dogs even two parrots <laughs> that was us um and uh you know I grew up doing that where where um myself and I have three siblings we worked the farm my dad also got a lot of help with it it was like you know that at the time and it, this is pretty I feel like pretty common in California, you know, farming was just kind of like a second job for him. His primary occupation was he was a, um, a union HVAC guy and he would kind of travel at first when I was younger all over California, um, like Northern California, fixing air conditioners. And then as, you know, as time went on, he got more into fixing like agricultural systems like pumps and wiring warehouses for processing and, um, things like that (laughs) so um that's that's uh that's that's kind of like where I grew up I lived there my whole life in Esquan is the name of the town and um then uh I kind of it was a you know I'd always been into horses always been a pretty outdoorsy um I spent a lot of time more time outside than inside when I was younger and then of course when I got more involved in school I tried to do my best as I could, as best as I could in school. Awesome. Okay, so Escalon, you're gonna die. So my dad is actually from Escalon. Oh, yes. <laughs> what a small world. Oh my um, god. This was not planned for those who are listening. We had no idea. Um, and if you do not know where Escalon is, um, you probably wouldn't if you didn't know that it was there. Um, it's a very small agricultural community. Um, farming, dairy, a lot of dairies there. Um, so that is, that's too funny. I'm sure our families know each other in some way, oh. shape or form. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, I grew up out on uh, Carrollton Road. Okay. We still, live, we still have the, we still have the, we have about 18 acres, but my family's still there. Okay. That's so funny. Yeah. My um, great grandfather was an auctioneer there and then they had a da- like a very small dairy um, and cattle operation and they farmed and my great grandma lived there until she died. And then, um, yeah, my dad moved to Brentwood, which is where they live now. Um, but that's so funny. Yep. Small world, small world. Wow. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> See, agriculture yeah. is big, but it's very small. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, yeah, that's one. There's a lot of, like I said, it's really different like I feel like gotten more diversified as far as ag Mm -hmm. like um you know growing up my neighborhood was pretty much all 
almonds or walnuts. Yep. And now I would say a good portion of it is vineyards because mm-hmm. the, the Franzias have always lived down the street from us. Okay. But um, they really bought up a lot of the property out there and they've got a lot of vineyards and they're, they're good people. I really like the Franzias. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Small world. I'll have to tell my dad that, that, yeah. um, and tell him your last name. So he'll probably be like, oh yeah, I know them or whatever. Yeah, um, probably. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So, okay. So let's Definitely. jump forward to now. So what is kind of your day-to-day look like now? So I am, I am not really involved in agriculture, so to speak, on a larger scale anymore. You mm-hmm. know, um, I am actually an arborist with the okay. local utility. That was just kind of the job that I found. I don't know. It's been three years, a little more than three years um, that it was just, I kind of stuck with it. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, this is a great job. It's pandemic proof. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can, I can keep doing it. So I kind of, I've been sticking with that. Um, so I just, what I do is I'm kind of a liaison between the utility down here, which is Southern California Edison. Um, at, Cause I live, I actually live in Bishop, California now. Okay. I don't live in Esquan anymore, but um, I moved, I moved out of Esquan when I was like 18, but um, yeah, Bishop is my home and I do my day to day is kind of uh, working with tree crews um, in utility vegetation management. It's a really sweet job. I'm still outside. I'm still dealing with the public, which I like because I'm I know a lot of people in Bishop because mm-hmm. I've been here for about ten years now. Um, ten years this June, and so like on and off. I wasn't here the whole time, but um, so I really like that job. It keeps me outside. It keeps me active, and it keeps me engaged with the community. So can you describe what that even is for somebody who maybe is listening that's like, what is an arborist? So yeah, so basically like, um, you know, in California, we have a really obviously big wildfire problem, especially Mm -hmm. in our wildland urban interface, which is the areas where a lot of people like to live, you know, the beautiful mountain towns like Mammoth Lakes and um, Mount Shasta, uh, Big Bear. Those are a lot of like, beautiful mountain towns but they're in this this zone within the trees and so where there's power lines that go through those high fire areas and non-high fire areas too there's trees and so they have you know each utility has a dedicated vegetation management program and um, I kind of just work within that and I look at the trees Um, I kind of like my originally like before I moved up I was the one assessing them so I would go out do a full inspection of the tree make sure it looks good um, or if it gets too close to the lines, we have state laws that we have to follow, mm-hmm. um, pretty strict state laws, you know, saying, you know, it can't get closer than, you know, 10 feet or six feet, depending right. on the voltage and stuff like that. And so I, you know, kind of got this training where I'm, you know, I can tell visual distances. I also use like range finders and other tools to tell me. And so we want to make sure the trees stay out of what's called the right of way. And also I talk to like the tree crews, I direct them. And then I deal with the public too. You know, I talk to people like there's a lot of people who don't want the utility to touch their trees. And I'm kind of there to be like, this is why it's a good idea for your trees to not touch the power line. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my primary occupation. That's my day to day. And so is that something that you always knew you wanted to do or how did that kind of come about? Not, not even a little bit. No, I, (laughs) well, it's actually really ironic. So when I went, to, so I went to junior college at Modesto Junior College. Okay. And um, you know that's a pretty ag-heavy junior college, and I kind of thought mm-hmm. that I might do ag, but I really liked forestry because I always loved 
hiking and being in the forest too. You know, it's like my two great loves were really like of the outdoors. It's like ag or forestry. And I just kind of went, you know, I really was interested in forestry, but there weren't really like a lot of forestry programs at MJC. And then I took a geology class actually. And that's, that's what I ended up majoring in was not, not even close to ag or forestry, but I'd always, you know, maintain that love of, of it and, um, you know, being outside with the trees and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I, that's, uh, it's funny how it kind of came full circle. Cause I think if maybe like, cause I was also looking at some of the UCs that I wanted to go to when I was getting ready to transfer and the ones that I was interested in didn't really have forestry programs. And so I kind of was like, well, I'm going to go this other route, but it's funny how I ended up here anyway. <laughs> I know, right? And that's funny that you say, you know, you had these interests in ag and in, in forestry, and then you studied geology, but really, I mean, it all does work together, right? I mean, yeah. even though it may not sound like it could or it would, it does, because you need the ecosystem right. and the forestry, and then there's the grazing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it all works together as the environment that we are in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just, uh, it's, yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm technically kind of not using my degree, but that's okay. I'm yeah. glad I did it. <laughs> well, and I think that a lot of people get really stuck on, you know, oh, I got my degree in this, but I'm not working in that field. Um, but I also feel like sometimes we forget that college is just like a process of figuring out who you are too. And there's a lot that can be learned and said for that as well. Um, but, and things kind of relate to each other that you would not anticipate as well. Just kind of like you said, geology and yeah. forestry and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And then if I'm not mistaken, you also do something with like packing, correct? Mm-hmm. So that's so, the other part of my story. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I got into packing when I was 16. Um, my mother joined a local unit of this this organization, wonderful organization called the Backcountry Horsemen. Okay. And the Backcountry Horsemen, they're a national organization that is dedicated to education and trails and keeping, you know, backcountry open and, and accessible for everybody. Um, and so she joined when I was 16 because um, we'd always been into the horses. And as we got older, kind of the campgrounds that we liked to go to just to camp got more crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mom was like, well, you know, how can I bring the horses into this? And so we found some nice horse campgrounds in the Sierras, the Sierra Nevada mountains above Escalon. And so we kind of got into that starting, like I said, when I was 16 or so, um, maybe a little before that. And, but she joined the unit when I was 16 and then we signed up for a pack trip with a local pack station up in, um, at Aspen Meadow. And, um, you know, we loved it. We were like, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, the mules and the guys working there were so kind and nice. So like, you know, these girls who were horse savvy, but, you know, weren't necessarily wilderness savvy. And so we really got into the camping with horses. Like it was just the best thing, like a 16 year old could want. It was yeah. like to just, my mom would take us and we'd be gone for like two weeks. Yeah. We'd, two weeks out of the summer, we'd just go camp with the horses and we wouldn't, we wouldn't pack them. We would just go to like a, a dry camp or they have a nice horse camp and we'd just stay there and, and range out. Um, and so I, when I turned, when I was getting ready to turn 18, my mom was like, my parents were like, well, you, you know, you're not, 
um, I was really into uh, distance running in high school and I wasn't doing that anymore during my summer. So they were like, you know, you should probably get a summer job. Um, and so I was like, okay. And so I tried to go work at the pack station. Um, at first they were just kind of like, no, we're full up on hires and we don't really want to train anybody this year, mm-hmm. especially like a girl who doesn't really know what she's doing. <laughs> and so um, even though I'd had like a little bit of experience with backcountry horsemen and stuff like that, they, they, it wasn't worth it to them. And so that, you know, I kind of like was like, well, shoot. But then a friend of mine hit me up and she was like, well, and this is the next summer after my first year of junior college. Um, uh, my friend hit me up and she's like, hey, you know, if you still want to work at the pack station, there's this place called Rock Creek and they're um, located in Bishop, California. They're looking for um, packers and cooks. And I was like, okay, you know, sounds good to me. And I, um, I applied their website was super easy to navigate. So I, I applied and I didn't hear back and my friend of mine is like, oh, you got to follow up, you know? And I was like, okay. So I followed <laughs> up. I talked to Craig London, DVM. He is the owner and operator of Rock Creek Pack Station. Uh, I had like a two hour, very weird interview, which he is known for. Yeah. Like that is his thing, like to give, because he wants to get to know people. He really wants to get to know them. So he asked the weirdest question. <laughs> um, like, I mean, he definitely asked what my GPA was. Um, but just other things that were just completely off the charts. I can't even remember, but they were very weird. Like, I think yeah. he asked me what my mom did for work. And, I, you know, I was like, what? What does that have to do with me? Yeah, Anyways, how is that relevant? <laughs> yeah, and so, um, yeah, and it was, you know, he's like, well, you know, you're only 18. I don't know. I'll give you a call back. And he, I call, I followed up a couple of days later, and he's like, well, why don't you come to Mule Days? And I'll interview at Mule Days, and we'll see how that goes. And I didn't really know what Mule Days was. I, I'd heard about it from the other backcountry horsemen, but I wasn't like super familiar with it. But, um, you know, I, me and my mom made arrangements to go. We were like, let's go to Mule Days. Um, sounds like fun. And so uh, Mule Days is held every year, Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, it's this big, huge celebration of the mule. Um, everything, everything that you can imagine done on horses, they do it on mules during this whole week. It starts today, actually, this year. And like my friends, they're doing the halter class this morning. You know, they've got halter classes and then they have dressage. They have hunter over fences. The big one that I love besides the packing, of course, is the wagon classes. My God, like the coolest equipment you'll ever see that, you know, and they judge them. They judge the guy who's pulling these things. And so I went to that my first year. Um, for my interview not even like ready for it and I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen like um, I always talk about seeing one of my best friends Brian like he's now one of my best friends and mentor but I saw him like in the arena at Mule Days I'm like that is a cool guy right there (laughs) this is the coolest thing ever I was like these are my co-workers like potentially like wow Um, so yeah I went and I I interviewed with Craig interviewed um, he kind of just met me and was like okay here you go like here's your co-workers throw you to the wolves and he literally just like I had to go kind of talk to the co-workers he wanted to see like how I connected with people and um it went really well and so he's like well I think you know come on down in June and uh you know we'll have work for you until about August when you start school again so I went and I uh they have a packing school that they do every June. All the new employees have to go through packing school. And so I went through packing school and I stayed and I like, my mom 
mom just like dropped me off with all I had was I didn't even have a bedroll or a saddle I had like <laughs> my I had my hat my boots and a sleeping bag and that was it yeah like, no car no nothing I was like 18 just here you go <laughs> summer uh, camp but, but like a much more intense summer camp <laughs> and it was my gosh I mean packing is very physically challenging but um it, that's the I guess the rest is history though that was June 2012 my mom dropped me off and um I'm you know I'm getting nostalgic I've been going through old pictures to celebrate you know 10 years on and off I've worked I worked pretty much I worked every season from 2012 until 2018 was my last full season and then I I finished school and I took a job up north in Humboldt County for a little bit so I was up there but I still I still do the packing um albeit I'm moving into the fairgrounds today actually to do mule days um because we've got a women's team competing and then Craig has asked me to do a couple of trips this summer I kind of just do working vacations now (laughs) how cool though and so when you go and and you help do this what does that like look like again kind of maybe for somebody who's doesn't know what that even what we're talking about here (laughs) absolutely so a pack station is a it's a property that's leased from the forest service Mm -hmm. and they're given you know basically people can book trips through them when you get wilderness they have wilderness permits and all a whole big array of different trips you know, the premier pack trips that Rock Creek offers, because we are the largest pack station in California, mm-hmm. is the traveling trip. And so that's where, you know, you have all, you bring all your luggage and like a sleeping bag. We provide tents and we pack them on the mules with your food. A cook goes with you. And then you have, you know, usually two packers, maybe three sometimes that pack the mules every day and everything goes on the mules and you either hike or you ride a horse or mule. Yeah. Um, and so I've done, I've done every kind of trip Rock Creek, off, Rock Creek offers. Um, but that's, that's the premier trip is just the pack mules. And that's what the pack station does. We operate out of Rock Creek Canyon. It's 10,000 feet in the Sierra Nevada. Um, our season is usually mid June to October 1st. Okay. Um, we usually want everybody out of the mountains by October 1st, because that's when the snows start coming. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's basically, luxury camping if you think about it um and we try to make it luxury as possible so like my first season at rock creek i learned to pack but i cooked mm-hmm. you know and everybody does almost everybody does both they'll okay. cook and they'll pack um and to be a cook you have to have like sub like excellent uh customer service skills so i really really got good at customer service and you know then and the packing very physically demanding i've done both and um I don't know which one I like better sometimes I feel like I like the cooking better just because for the most part people take care of themselves whereas in the packing you're in charge of all the animals and (laughs) they do some crazy things I know my next question was going to be like what's been like the craziest thing that's happened hmm that's a good question um to me honestly I have oh (laughs) So, well, this is like, this is the one that comes to mind because there, I, gosh, in 10 years, there's been a lot of weird stuff, but oh, I one, bet. Of the, one of the craziest, funny things that happened to me when I was packing was I was doing eight days from this place Ooh. called Red's Meadow and we were coming, we were going in at Red's Meadow and coming out at Tuolumne Meadow. So Yosemite National Park, mm-hmm. beautiful trip, like the most beautiful part of the John Muir Trail. Absolutely. I love it. 
and I was with my friend Clay, who's Australian, and um, we had another Australian couple that was paralleling us. We have a lot of Australians in the Station. They're summers, you know, they're, they're winners. We, we right. But right. yeah, um, and so Clay and I, we were at the first night's camp, and he turns out the horses. So every night we turn the horses out to graze, usually. If the meadows, if the forest service says it's okay, if the park service says it's okay, we turn them out. And what we do is you put a bell, like a big Swiss bell on the lead animal. Usually it's a mare, not always, but usually you put it on a mare and then you keep two wrangle animals up in case they really wander. So you have something to ride instead of right. Um, And so we do that. And that night Clay like turned out, um, he turned out the mare and it was kind of this mare that was a little, she's a wonderful horse, but not my pick and we yeah. had in the in the other camp that was paralleling us they had a great bell mare debbie and debbie's wonderful i mean she is the standard for a good bell mare and i was like well let's just use debbie you know tie lacy up just let's just use debbie and he's like no lacy needs to get out and this is a good spot and i was like okay you know you're the packer i'm the cook that's fine yeah um so sure enough sure enough at midnight because we what we try to do is we try to push him up the trail away from where we started because they'll always kind of drift back mm-hmm. if they can I just a natural thing that they the horses right. and do and so um midnight I just hear the bell top speed she's running <laughs> and, and she's going down the trail and I was like well she's running and I, I know where she's going and so sure enough she had ran all the way like maybe like five or so miles down the trail oh back to Redville which is a pack station resort um and so you know, the, the Wranglers, they, those guys get up. Usually the cook doesn't go with them. The cook usually stays and watches the camp. Um, so I stayed behind, but the Wranglers all got up and they ran after them. And uh, they came back later and told me what happened. So they went down to Red Meadow. They're running around like maniacs in the corrals, like around the pack station, like all the horses and mules. And we had this older mule with us named Jan. And Jan is kind of She's an interesting mule, very long-legged mule, not the nicest mule. Like you couldn't touch her feet very well. Um, we, you know, and she, you, you could pack her, but just the feet were no go. She didn't really like people that much. And in the midst of all this madness, Clay tells me that they're all running around like crazy. And the he sees Jan just kind of look at everybody and then just turn and walk down the trail, down the PCT. Like she's, she's gone. She's leaving. Um, so she just leaves. Jan's like, I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. I'm not about this. <laughs> and so, you know, and we were like, she left. Like she she just left. And um, you know, we she's an older mule, so we kind of figured she's going home. Yeah. She's going back to Rock Creek, which is about oh gosh, probably like four days ride from Red oh Meadow. Goodness. But she knows, she knows where she's going. Yeah. So we call the pack station and we're like, hey Jamie, um, the secretary, like we're like Jamie Jan left we think Jan's we know coming she, home <laughs> we think we know where she's going you know she was last seen headed south on the beach <laughs> so Jamie's like all right I'll send somebody down Mono Creek in you know a couple of days to get her and sure enough a couple of days later Joe one of the guys rides over finds her under a tree <laughs> just waiting. she was like she was like I'm done with I'm going home <laughs> no more of this <laughs> yeah and that's that's not the first time that's happened that a mule has 
just been like, because mules are so smart. Yeah. They are just, they know every, they know exactly where they are. And she's like, yeah. I know where, I know where home is. I can eat along the way. I can drink along the way. Sure enough, people called the pack station because she had a Rock Creek brand on her. And they're like, we saw your mule. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the wildest things that's happened. And just hilarious. Every time I tell that story. <laughs> That's great. So then, okay, but what did you guys do to get all this stuff out of there, though, if you were down a mule? So, yeah, if we're down a mule, you know, you just kind of have to double up. Um, luckily, I think we got lucky on that trip where I think we had, um, we had, I think we had a spare potentially. And sometimes you'll bring a spare if there's people mm-hmm. hiking. Um, uh, also because we, that's right. And we also, since we had Marta and Andrew who were paralleling us, that other couple, oh. they had room too. So they took some of our stuff. Gotcha. So <laughs> we got lucky if we had to though, because we were only a, like less than a day's ride from where we started, we could have called Craig and been like, Hey, send us another mule. I got you. I got you. With, th- with this one, we were able to, we were able to fit everything. Nothing like an adventure in the great outdoors, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, so funny. Well, Anna, I appreciate you um, taking time to chat with me. And kind of my final question here is, what made you um, apply and kind of want to be a part of the Cowgirl 30 Under 30? Okay, so yeah, that was kind of, it was interesting. My sister told me about it, actually. I didn't really, I had like followed Cowgirl Magazine for a couple years, but Mm -hmm. I didn't really like know much about it. And my sister's like, oh, you should apply for this. And I was like, okay. And I kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, I looked at the list last year, there the, the previous year. And I thought, you know, Adrian, and I've known Adrian for years. And so I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, Adrian's really into this stuff. And so I was like, okay. And, and um, I was like, you know, Packers, no, not a lot of people know what Packers do. You know, yeah. There's a lot of Packers, like California's got a bunch, like all over the West, yeah. you know? Um, in other states it's not as maybe oh I mean it's a tourism base is more hunting based and so mm-hmm. I was like this is a really good way to kind of like get get us out there maybe you know to get get a get a get a give ourselves a platform like hey we're we're here too we are a part of the western industry even though we're small um and so that's kind of that was kind of the driving force was just I wanted I wanted to get out there and put the word out about you know what we're up to yeah no I love that and I think that it's cool that you decided to put yourself out there, um, but then also do it because it would hopefully bring light to some of the things that other women in the similar position to you are doing as well. So I commend you on that and congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Congrats to you too. It's such a cool thing. Thank you. I know it was. And um, some of the other girls that I've talked to for this season, we've all just been kind of like, what a crazy experience it was. Like we just... I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't know it was a big deal until that night and everything. Right. And so I was like, this is wild. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exciting to have so many other incredible women um, to share that with and makes me feel confident about the future of these industries as well. Same. Yeah, definitely. I really like, um, I've made a lot of friends through it and I'm so happy for that. And um, just beyond like, flattered that mm-hmm. you know un- beyond flattered that I was you know named to the list too like I was like you know we're Packers there aren't that many of us but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, um, thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to chat with me. And I'm excited to see the things that happen for you moving forward. And um, I will definitely be following the world of packing a little bit closer now too. Sounds good. Thank you, Allie. Yeah, um, if you can, Mule Days, I think they're going to live stream Mule Days this year. If you can, uh, it's worth watching. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am going to check that out for sure. Cool. All right. Well, take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks on Instagram and Facebook, and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the Ag Chicks channel.